0: Anything you want to talk about before we get rocking and rolling?
1: The only thing I wanted to mention was Mulan. Uh, yeah, what is? You, I, I feel like that's steep. But then I was like, if it was Black Widow, I would pay thirty bucks.
0: <laughs> you know, I I gotta say that's it's it's one of the it's a pretty rough marketing decision. Yeah, and I, I think that to speak intelligently on it, I think. Ultimately, we would have spent, you know, $40, $40 plus snacks and transportation to go see the movie in the theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could understand putting it at $30 instead of 20 But I think the main thing for me is that a lot of people who bought Disney Plus threw down maybe two to $300 to get it for the first couple of years. Yeah. And if you did that, I think then you get to be one of the people who's like, oh, I get to skip that process, and I don't have to pay for that. Um, and I also think it's exclusionary, and it sets them up as not being forthcoming with their media. Like, I'm not going to pay per episode of a Marvel show.
1: No, but like, but like I get that it's different than like, oh, this movie was out several months ago. We made our money on it. Here it is for free if you're a s- subscriber. But, like, if you're not a subscriber and you want to watch this movie, you've got to sign up, pay the monthly or annual fee, and then drop the price on the movie. And, yes, you own it for the length of your subscription, but, like, it's not like a rental like you would on Amazon or whatever. Like, that's that's more than a the cost of a movie on Amazon or iTunes, I'm pretty sure.
0: For sure. And I think the, the reason that they want to do that is because – it's a test, you know, I I think if they had done it with a star Wars or a Marvel, they would know that they could do it. Right. But if they do it with this movie, then they can charge 50 for black widow. Oh,
1: That would be ridiculous. Uh huh. I I don't put it past them,
0: man. I I know you're
1: right. I like in my mind, I'm like, Oh, black widow should be 30 bucks. And this should be like 20, (laughs) 15, then then there's like showing different value of the movies. Which is not fair. Well, what
0: do you get? So like if you buy the movie, like and what we've seen with Disney Plus is they aren't afraid of putting up the bonus content. They aren't afraid of of making it a more richer experience. So if you if for the thirty dollars you get the movie unlimited watches for perpetuity and you get access to the bonus material, whatever that could be, immediately upon release, like that's a new kind of thing. Yeah. Um and I get them doing it with this kind of a movie as opposed to a Star Wars or a Marvel or even an animated movie because these movies are like where Disney sees added value in a future. You well, know what and I like mean?
1: look what they just did with Hamilton. Like Hamilton came yeah. out. Uh, that was the first time it was released. Like granted, people had seen it on Broadway, but like they dropped like these two talkback episodes like to add content and it was all included in the price. So like if they could do that with, with something like that, I don't see why they can't have some bonus material, but
0: I think it's also the fact that Hamilton was probably very cheap to make, you know, well, it was already made. Ha- <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they already, they had the, the Broadway theater. All yeah. they had to do was pay the people to shoot it. And yeah. that probably wasn't crazy, but this was a over a hundred million dollar plus budget movie. So they're, they're trying to make something back and yeah, that's the and way to understand that I d- it. Yeah. I think at twenty dollars, though, you would have seen a complete like internet, you know, appeasement and saying like that's not a big deal, no problem. That's as much as it costs to watch the new Pete Davidson movie. That's okay. Yeah. But to do it at thirty dollars, I think is prohibitive, and it's going to piss people off. And you saw that online. Yeah.
1: Yep. 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 Okay. Bye.
0: Okay, so welcome everybody to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Um, today's episode is the 12th Bond movie, For Your Eyes Only. I am AJ. And
1: I am Frank. And we're kicking it off a little bit different tonight, guys. And this is not the 12th Bond movie podcast that we've done. <laughs>
0: no, it's definitely not. This uh, We are now over the hump, right? We are more than halfway done.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. We're definitely over the hump. And like I'm excited because pretty much once we finish Roger Moore, I, I'm like, pretty much seen everything. I think the only thing I haven't seen of the Sean Connery era is Diamonds Are Forever. Same. So like, it'll be cool to end on one that I haven't seen.
0: Yeah. And this one is one I hadn't seen. Same. And this one, I think this one was, I mean, I just watched it and I know that I'm looking at movies a little bit differently right now, but, um, it, it, I loved it, dude. I really did. And I get the idea that you know, um, coming from you, like when we were, we were texting about it that, you know, it does seem like a lot of really cool set pieces, you know, kind of strung together.
1: Yeah. And like, I think, so I watched it last night for for me, it just feels like, you know, a lot of times when we talk about like, Oh, this piece of art is like greater than like the, like the sum of its parts, like elevates it. I kind of feel like it, it doesn't here. I feel like there are so many really awesome things, but like as a full package, like I'm like it's just missing something. It's just missing that little oomph, that mojo. <laughs> um, and may I don't know. I enjoyed it as I watched it, but like I was like, wait, well, th- th- I feel like we're missing something. Why? Why didn't they dive deeper into something into the plot uh, specifically? Um, and maybe because it was like kind of a correction from moonraker right they're always changing directions after each one um but yeah i I enjoyed it it just maybe i also didn't know much about it before going into it so
0: yeah it so uh i got to do like a a little bit of you know bonus features for this so this movie is not a novel it's a couple of short stories thrown together with a couple of other like with a big action sequence from live and let die uh Mm. the book yeah. Um, so it it definitely feels like that, but what I will say though is I think that I like the direction that they're going, and if they continued if they continued to do this and I don't think that they do, mm. but if they continued down this way with Octopussy and uh, the uh, A View to a Kill, I, I think we'd be talking about kind of two Roger Moores. Um, yeah, because this one feels of av- he feels comfortable and he feels very uh uh he still has his good one-liners and jokes but he's a little bit older he's a little bit more reserved and i think he's like i love that the redirection that uh michael wilson talks about on the special features in that once john glenn kind of comes in after moonraker there was a big decision that we had to go away from bond being able to save the day with a gadget to being able to use his wits to kind of overcome things.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, he does feel a little older to me. I think like,
0: well, they definitely talk. They definitely show that.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, this is 81. Like, I mean, the, the past couple we've watched have been in pretty quick su- su- succession, only like two years apart, but you can see him aging pretty fast. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, t- it's tough, you know, um,
0: They, I think they do a good job of like playing to his strengths in each movie. You know what I mean? It's the demands of like what Daniel Craig is expected to do. Like it just wasn't there at that time yet. So, you know, he's not as physical. It's not as crazy. But even in the physical stuff, they make it believable and and real enough that it's cool. Uh, specifically talking about the underwater stuff and the rock climbing sequence and the opening sequence, which you know, uh, again, these are all sequences. It, you're yeah. right. It it is missing that it is missing a good five minute talkie talkie part sure. where we understand more about Melina and we learn more about, you know, her experiences and they could have expanded on the story of Electra and and really you know and t- or talked more about the the crossbow yeah um,
1: um so i mean i don't want to talk too much more without going into spoilers and because I, I really want to talk about the plot for a second so if you haven't seen the movie yet please go away and come back we it's on amazon lo- prime for free i th- and you'll and i think you'll like it i think you'll like it too it's you know it feels like the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I feel oh, like we It's
0: so 80s. We feel
1: we've g- gotten into the the decade. Um so yeah. Um spoilers and here we go. So the plot can yeah. be summed up in I think two sentences. So um, Oh shit. You're going to crack it? <laughs> I think I'm going to crack it. Okay. This boat gets blown <laughs> up. Bond and MI6 need to recover some little device in the boat instead of uh, the Russians getting a hold on it, which will give them access to the submarines and the other weapons. Bond succeeds. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you're there, man. That, and that's uh, it. Along the way, he meets Melina, who her parents get murdered, and she's going to avenge their death. Done.
0: <laughs> I like that it has the beep the beep revenge plot in this movie is cool. It's cool. <laughs> and it feels very Batman. It feels very Batman forever specifically. um Ooh. of an of an aged, you know, hero who's trying to explain to other people who are trying to do what they think are heroic things um that it this is not the answer. and, and that, you know, even Bond at this point in the game, he's he's lost his sense of wanting revenge you know which i think they'll change with dalton we'll see that but yeah they uh, at, at least at this point they're showing a bond who is been through the fucking ringer a couple of fucking times and is now like enlightened well you know? and, and
1: and really like th- this movie it it like hammers home that there is a kind con- continuity like specifically yes. at least between on her majesty's secret service up through this point with Roger Moore, if not every movie that's been made. Right. So like you, it's been 12 years since the death of his wife and Blofeld, while we don't see his face or we don't get his name is in this movie who like rears his ugly head and, and tries to get it one more time before he gets chopped down <laughs> this shaft. Ugh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But so, yeah, it's like you can tell Bond has been through some shit. He's not as angry. He's able to kind of get over some stuff. He's very Jedi. He is. And even with the women, right? Like, um, yeah, the the young girl, like he's like, no, 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 stop it. (laughs) I will not. (laughs) Well, that's, I think, what makes this
0: movie hold up and age beautifully. Yeah, because we have seen Roger Moore make out with you know, he was 50 starting in these movies. He was starting at 50. So he was making out with 20 year olds, you know, 30 years, his, you know, junior from the very beginning. So to see him here, you know, he's probably in his sixties at this point and, or no, he's in his late fifties. And then he's, a, uh, you know, denying this and being age appropriate and not making the audience uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was cool. I, I really so in the movie uh, there's a um a character named BB who is a figure skater. Um BB doll. Be Bebe baby doll. doll? Yeah, baby doll. And she's gonna she has pigtails the whole time. She's blonde, blue eyed. She's very pretty, but, yeah. but 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 she's very young for Bond. Obviously as a, you know, a wannabe Olympian, you're Definitely not, you know, over 25 at that point. So he was, and, you know, he plays it off very well. He, she gets into bed. He says, No, put your clothes on. I'm going to go get you some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right. I, I really dug that. that okay. Funny. But, but, but what I will say is I think Melina is my favorite Bond girl of all time. Wow. She, she is gorgeous. She is gorgeous. She's, She's gorgeous, man. Wh- and she, She looks to me a little bit like Shayna. I know that's like, well, not exact. You know, it's (laughs) that's my eyes talking. But like, she does. She's got the long, dark hair. She's got like the exotic look, Mm -hmm. the eyebrows Yeah. Uh, like like I'm like, oh, shit,
1: this is my type of chick. (laughs) Well, and and she uh, she's she's a badass. She fights with a crossbow. She's along for the action like out there for revenge. Yeah, there's a lot to like. And the way that they set up, I think the love interest
0: in it is really good to do it subtly over time and to give him the middle love interest of the Countess who's, you know, age appropriate and develops
1: the story. You know, I. I, uh, Right. I don't think they kiss until the end.
0: No, they really don't. And that was kind of an interesting decision because, you know, the whole time you're kind of seeing him as this like mentor role. But it, you know, it it never really gets too emotional. It's always, like, them kind of working together. So at the end, you know, like, it's okay to see them, like, you know, take this next step and do what they got to do. But, you know, I I think she's just absolutely stunning. And I liked liked watching her come back throughout the film and that she was at times ahead of Bond was very cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that she's an, an archaeologist like that's like it's the it's the whole game man yeah
1: so um, fun little like moment here so speaking of the crossbow Charles dances in this movie yes he is he and is. like he doesn't have a lot to do he doesn't have a lot to say but he definitely looks menacing and he fights Bond a few times but I think it's fucking awesome <laughs> that he gets killed with a crossbow just like his character on Game of Thrones <laughs> whoa <laughs> wait is that intentional i don't know i can't be though because it's it's in the books be. it's oh it's in the books yeah he dies that way in the book so it's like george r, r. martin would be like charles dance is gonna be the guy <laughs> charles dance will be the guy he'll be over
0: here and i'll kill him with a crossbow. my, Tyrion, my favorite character an avatar, and avatar in the story <laughs>
1: He has a weird voice,
0: George R.R. Martin. Yeah. They do a good job in South Park of like satirizing his voice. Also,
1: George, if you're listening, finish the
0: books. <laughs> God damn it. You told us we could arrest you, motherfucker. Come on. Get to fucking work. I know. It's the goddamn pandemic. What have you been doing? You are at risk. You
1: need to be home. Yeah. I Focus? think he is. I think he's working on it. Speaking of Game of Thrones. Speaking. Julian Glover is Twisty yeah. Twist the villain in this movie. And he played Master Picel and General Veers in, in Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back.
0: And he's the bad guy in Indiana Jones and the Lost Crusade, Last Crusade. Boom, boom!
1: What a he, bad guy! Oh, my what God. a great classic bad guy! A good character actor, you know. And he's and it got go me. Like at first, we're watching the movie. I'm like, he's nice. <laughs> the other guy doesn't seem very nice. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's such a cool little twist on that. Like. Having your expectations be one thing like, oh, this guy that, you know, is like looks like a, a, a villain with his mustache and like has got his little thing where he eats the pistachio nuts. Like he's going to be like the guy that Bond's going to have to kill. But no, 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 no. What's what's his name? Uh, Christa. Uh, this is Christatos?
0: So, so there's um, the Aristatos, who's the bad guy. And then there's Columbo, who is our, like, you know, smuggling, you know, uh, f- friend. And this guy is played by Chaim Topol, who is- plays Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof and is a big time Jew. He's a big Jew. He's a big <laughs> Israeli born in, is- born in Palestine in 1935. Wow. And he plays a good guy. This is that's huge for me, dude. Yeah. Like that's awesome. That's some kick-ass representation. Because well, like he's great too, and he, he, he's, like, he's really funny. awesome. He's like
1: badass.
0: Like he's uh, charismatic. Yeah. They give him good stuff to do. Uh, you know he's ambiguous. I like that a lot of this movie is a, is kind of about ambiguity in a little bit of yeah. a way that, you know, we're not necessarily good guys and bad guys. Everybody's kind of dirty, and we all are kind of just like doing what we got to do. That's totally, you know, comes back in the end at the, the last scene. Um,
1: I think they kind of course corrected, right? Because like they had to, they had to, because it's, it's still the cold war. Like the first handful of bond movies are dealing with like Russia constantly. Right. And so here we had moonraker, the spy who loved me, the man with the golden gun, where these like very singular villains have these ideas to destroy the world. But it's like, well, what about what's actually going on? And so you have these guys in the, in the gray and in the shadows, kind of like, like maybe they're good. Like he's like, yeah, I, I smuggle stuff, but not heroin. That's the other guy. <laughs> yeah, and and he, I I really
0: enjoyed that. You know, throughout the movie, like it does give you a little bit of a twist. Like we haven't seen that in a Bond movie in a long time. Yeah, a- and it definitely like hit hard for me when I was like, oh shit, oh wait. Oh, cool. Um, and it, once it was revealed that he wasn't going to be the bad guy, I was so much happier. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it is a big course correction, and it's mainly a course correction It's done for budget, right? Like, Cubby Broccoli is like, we're not spending this amount of money on this movie again. Um, also, Ken Adams, the production designer for the Big Bond movies we love, was gone on this one. So you have a different production designer And this guy's job was really to make realistic scenes, realistic sets that look uh, and feel like a universe. And I think that that does really play into it, especially on the ship um, in the beginning part, that it does look like a military piece of equipment. It doesn't look like some piece of science fiction stuff. And that is really fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the underwater stuff in this, too. And you can see how... They're getting really good with the underwater photography. The DVDs look really great when they're um, when it's, they're doing the dra- the dragging scene. The clarity is just it's absolutely so beautiful. clear.
1: I, well, I, I think they shot that in the Bahamas, so I mean they did, the, yeah. the water is going to be amazingly clear. But like, yeah, all that stuff underwater with with the uh, whether they were near uh, one of the ships or whether they were um, like near the some of the underwater remains of. Like the civilization, like that stuff was really cool. Um, Yeah. And the boat sequence, fantastic too. Um, So one other thing that I want to call out. Okay. I think is really fun. Um, I was like, I know this guy. So when they get to the casino and he's playing his cards, I'm like, this guy looks so familiar. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's the Rancor handler from Return of the Jedi.
0: Get the fuck out of here!
1: And he is. His name is Paul Brooke. His character's name is Bunky. And in in uh, in Star Wars, his character's name is Malakili, the Rancor Keeper. And yeah, the guy with the cool hat, right? Yeah, he's he's not wearing a shirt, and he's like all sad when his and he cries. He he cries. Fantastic! (laughs) I love him. (laughs) Wow,
0: they got some like major character actors in this. Yeah. Major talent. Like Charles Dance, the Raincore guy, General <laughs> Veers. Uh, that's awesome. Like good casting, like, and effective casting. You know what I mean? Like, we just. The only guy who's not so effective and they didn't flesh out totally is the physical antagonist, Eric
1: Skier guy, the biathlon guy. Yeah, dude. Kriegler, you Wiener know, hanging he, out guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was just, uh, you know, he just seemed we had loved Jaws so much, you know what I mean, that whatever was going to come next would probably be a letdown. But, you know, this is even before uh, Vance, you know, this is before Rocky 3 or 4 when he fights the Russian guy. Um, Yeah. So to me, it's like, you know, they weren't going after that. Like, what were they trying to do? can What are you? What are you trying to do over there? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not super effective. Um, I think we. Okay, we. All right, we're gonna drop. I'm. I'm dropping five minutes here. Uh, skiing. Um, I hate the skiing. <laughs> I know you I'm hate done, the skiing. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with the skiing, man. Like, why do we have to return to the skiing? I don't get it. It to me, the skiing aspect of Bond is like the the shittiest skill that we can continue to show over and over again so many people can ski skiing is like such a lame i hate skiing it's lame it's hard it's not cool um i don't know why they keep going back to the well of skiing uh, but i think that this scene is shot the best of all the skiing scenes it's yeah Uh, go ahead you know (laughs) so like if we're gonna do more bond skiing please stop Please, well, no more, please no more skiing.
1: So cano- canonically, there will be more skiing because there's skiing in the Pierce Brosnan era, there's skiing in the Dalton era, there's skiing in the Daniel Craig era. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's just how frequent and how, how much it needs to be done. Like To me, it's like video games, right? You're like, okay, we're going to go to the water level, we're going to go to the snow level, we're going to go to the fire level, we're going to go to the forest temple. Like, they That's have the to do that in the movies to diversify the little settings, I just like, maybe they could do something different. I, I hear you. I particularly like the snow stuff because like I, if I'm going to watch the Olympics, I really like the Winter Olympics and I think it's kind of fun and cool. And so I don't know if it has anything to do with the timing around when those events are happening compared to the movies. But yeah, the, the these skiing sequences, like the fact that he, they had someone go in the bobsled luge, on the ice, and go through all that. That was pretty intense. Um, I like that you know the the way that they set it up. Um, Bond is like in a shootout, kind of hiding in the trees against Kriegler, or whatever his name is. Um, and it's not so like moving, like trying to fight each other while they're moving. There's like they did a little bit of different things, but I hear you. I know you hate it. It just seems so. <laughs>
0: It just seems so redundant. Like, Mm -hmm. like that. That's what I don't get. Like, and it's not like you know, the plot of a skiing scene can be very different. You know what? But also, like, it's it's either. It's most of the time it's Bond getting chased. I don't think we've ever really seen Bond chasing someone, and it doesn't. And it feels like that they maybe it kind of feels like they were kind of aiming for this to like do this and like kind of do it in this really great way and, and like we're going to talk about John Glenn in a minute but uh, to, like it's definitely the best shot. It's really nicely edited. Um, You know, the continuation of it as it builds throughout the kind of 10-minute arc that it has is enjoyable but that's a, but again, like what they did with this movie is it's all short stories so it definitely mm. feels like an anthology movie in yeah
1: that that makes a lot of sense my only other like counter is like car chases happen in pretty much every one but you
0: that's know? different and and the and they change the context of a of a bond chase like specifically this car chase with this was one. Fucking awesome
1: <laughs> well so that's
0: what they say so in the in the special fe- the few special features i get to watch john glenn and michael wilson are like We've seen the Lotus go underwater. It has missiles, <laughs> you know. Like, let's take that away from him immediately and give him a grounding, and then we'll put him in the most absurd bond car you could ever imagine. And we're gonna see him overcome because of his ability to drive and his wits rather than, you know, the missiles and the machine guns yeah. and the injector seat. And I that think was a that great was really decision.
1: A cool move, right? Like, you have. The lotus there, it blows up like immediately, which is super sad. And then you've got this like buggy looking thing that gets flipped over a bunch of times. They off road with it. Like it's, it's pretty impressive the way that it's done. Um, I also love it's like this like little uh, terrible turn in the town where it's like everyone's just like, this is their job to flip over the cars because <laughs> it Definitely. happens every week.
0: <laughs> I really liked, um, Again, I really liked Melina. I thought that, like, when whenever she was on screen, she's so captivating. And I'm like so interested in in what she's doing and, uh, and Bond and her relationship because it's so different than the typical Bond. Re- it's th- like there's not enough time given to it, and it almost feels like okay in certain aspects. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we almost don't need to dig into her backstory so much. A lot of it is exposited and shown in the movie.
1: Right. We see her parents get murdered at the very top of it. And it's like, boom, there you go. This is all you need to know for now. And we'll give you a little more along the way. But yeah, great. Yeah, she's she's very, very engaging. And, you know, and I feel like she's like gone for parts too. that. Like when she's back, she goes.
0: Yeah, you're excited to see her. And it's and it definitely feels fresh and fun when she does arrive back. All right. I want to talk about John Glenn for a minute because sure. I, I think that we would be remiss to, to, to not talk about this guy. So John Glenn started out as a uh, assistant director and editor on the earlier Bond films, I believe, starting with either Live and Let Die or Man with the Golden Gun. Um, this is his first directorial debut. Um, my idea of why he's probably chosen after the other guy is probably the other guy was too expensive and they wanted to change a little bit of the vision. Uh, and I really think that this guy gets Bond, and I think maybe, with the exception of the guy who did Casino Royale, he may be one of the best Bond directors. Um, not because of the style, and not because of, you know, uh, you know his particular, you know, amazing directorial decisions, but because he understands Bond maybe better than anybody ever could. In that he worked on it so long that he got to make the decisions and changes he would want to input. And then in doing so, reinterpolated Bond in this new way and then again in the Dalton movies.
1: Yeah, I, I feel that. Like watching this one, like it, it does feel a lot like the Dalton ones. Like Definitely. if we hadn't watched them, we probably wouldn't know. But the order we went, we watched John Glenn's final two, right? And now we're going yep. back to watch his first three. And I think it's really cool to see that, like, obviously he learned a lot from working on them in the past. And now he's like, I, it's mine. I can do what I think makes sense. Well, we'll see is like, will it kind of stay on the rails the next two and then, and be like ride right into the, the, the Dalton's or is it going to be like a reset? Um, well, I'll tell you what, cause I think we, I think we're going to see. So, one of the
0: big rules of comedy is to like never be too cocky and overconfident in your, in your comedy abilities. It's always remain humble. And on the special features, like, I'm particularly proud of my drive scene with the yellow, Citron. I think that's a great scene. And like, yeah, it was very funny. And the one liners you got in there are great, but if he's going to redo that again for the next two times, like, oh boy, right. I've heard Octopussy is like profoundly bad. And that, a, Of you to a Kill is even worse than that. That's what I've heard. (laughs) So, like, I'm a little bit nervous around that area. But I think the, you know, the main thing that he was able to kind of do in this movie is to bring Bond back down to Earth. But also to keep, you know, and what he says in the thing, he's like, I'm really glad I didn't have to launch a new Bond with this movie. That I had somebody who was established, who knew what the fuck they were doing. And I could just kind of move them in this new direction and, and subtly, it's not that they're making Roger Moore, you know, beat some guy with a club or they're strapping Roger Moore to a chair and beating his balls with a rope. Like it's a, you know, they are, they're just doing minor tweaks. He's got to climb up the mountain and it's going to be really difficult, you know, and he's, or he's got to go underwater and he's got to, you know, undo this thing and he has to beat the guy and get out and he's got to drive the submarine. Um, and I really liked, I I thought you really felt bond's wits. You saw bond work. Um, yeah, I I thought that was cool. And, And the decisions that they made of stitching together the short stories, I think, you know, they'll get better at making sure that there's an underlying you know thread which they do in live and let die not live and let die uh excuse me um uh living daylights it's so confusing that they're two l movies (laughs) uh living day yeah
1: there's some of them so many of them are so similar (laughs)
0: um yeah so congrats to john glenn he's an awesome guy and i'm excited to see the next two movies and and see the directions he took but i'm thinking this is probably the best roger moore
1: well, I don't know if do I think agree with that? you there, but it's I, I enjoyed it a lot. Again, I feel like to me the plot of I mean not the, that the plot needs to be amazing, but the plot of the movie was like we're trying to give this device to the Russians and then they don't get it and then the guy is like, "All right, see you later." Like it's just like the moments of tension in the film for me, are whether he's going to survive certain things. And that's really kind of awesome that you can put that up there. Like, oh, is he going to die on this cliff? Like as he's hanging off on this single rope, is he going to run out of oxygen? Is he going to get eaten by a shark? Like all those things, like these, these car chases are very intense, but the plot has like, it, the, the plot doesn't have any stakes to me. It's just like this little, like, computer-y thing, that like you don't even see like a ticking clock. Like if we don't get it, it's gonna blow up and New York City's gonna be gone, right? It's just like oh, it goes. You're, in you're right.
0: There, there's absolutely no stakes. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but what you do have is real character development and and like and a real exploration of Bond's character at this time. You know, we see him at the beginning and he's mourning, you know, and he's going back. We're paying homage to his past. We're revisiting in in one shot, you know, with both the death of his wife and then the return of, you know, not Blofeld, (laughs) Uh, you know, and what I think is cool about that is that, you know, we're saying, okay, this is the old Bond. All right, we're going to go into our, you know, credit sequence. And then this is going to be a whole new movie for you. And that felt real. And it definitely felt like a a carryover. It also didn't feel like a sequel to Moonraker in any way. Oh, and definitely not. Really, and that was really good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting how they can t- tread that line of, like, oh, these are all sequels to one another, but not, like, directly reference anything. But then sometimes there'll be a little something that'll – like, the last two, Moonraker and Spy Who Me, it's like, oh, Jaws is back. Like – that's the same guy. Um, But yeah, no here, it feels very separate. And um, with that, like I, the one guy that we really haven't talked about is the not Blofeld. So I'm wondering if we should dive into our, our ratings.
0: Yeah, that's, we got to start that now.
1: Perfect. Good job. So opening sequence of this film has nothing to do with the rest of the movie.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely nothing. So he goes, he's visiting the grave of his ex-wife. Um, you see that she's de- died in nineteen sixty nine. so we're creating that continuity of on Her Majesty's Secret Service with Roger Moore. And then it, you know, Bond's gonna get picked up in a helicopter. and it, wait, where we, I didn't look at this. But is the guy driving the helicopter one of the monkeys? I don't know. He's got a monkey's haircut. <laughs> he's got a he's got a way monkey's haircut. I'm gonna okay, go ahead with your thoughts on it. I'm gonna look that up.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think, it's interesting. I, I like the, the note of, of uh, him mourning. I think that's like, they've mentioned it before. Like, oh, he's been married only once and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's hard for me to reconcile that in my brain, but whatever. Um, then the other thing that's hard to reconcile is that Blofeld has been absent throughout the entire Roger Moore era. Yeah, Um, And I know it's a rights issue, and that's the reason why he hasn't appeared. But they decide that because they can't get his rights, they're going to put a guy in a wheelchair with the cat. He's bald. You don't see his face. You don't hear his name. You just hear him talking, and he wants to kill James Bond, and they're going to kill him, supposedly, because that's that way they're done with it and they can move on. It just like feels so unnecessary. <laughs> However, yeah. it does create a pretty cool set piece.
0: Yeah, you know it, it's it's weird. I, I think that you know at that time helicopters, you know, the and and you could see I, even as I was watching and I was saying to Shana, like you could see that the technology is getting so much better that they're mixing the rear projection with the actual stunt man on the side of the helicopter with the camera that's on the side of the helicopter so that when they cut away to bond and he's in the studio (laughs) and they're doing the rear projection, it doesn't look so terrible because they're cutting so fast. And that part is really cool. What I didn't love about it was that if it's a rights issue and we can't cross that line, then it's you're really not making you know, is Blofeld the Joker to James Bond's Batman? I don't know, you know, and yeah. and like they've never really executed that perfectly. They've done it in movies in and of themselves, but not in the continuous arc that like oh no no no, this is his Moriarty, right? Bringing it all the way back to Sherlock Holmes. That well, he it, this is his opposite and his villain.
1: I think, and they could have made it so much more poignant too, because exactly like, even if you don't, you can't show his face. Like right now, the whole thing feels super comedic and, and corny and, and cheesy, but this is the man that killed your wife. You were just mourning. Yep. Like what, like why they decided that it's like, we're just going to throw him down the chute and like cut away and not mention it the rest of the film. Like it's just bizarre it feels alternate reality to me. I, I just, I don't know. It's a weird choice. It but.
0: is. And and that's why I think it gets six because I think the stunts are really exciting. It's not the first and the only helicopter crazy sequence we're going to see Bond do. Like, yeah. of course they're going to top it like crazy inspector, but um, I, I don't think that this is as strong as it could have been. And I think that it's non ties to the rest of the movie you know, give it that kind of a score. Yeah. I
1: pretty much everything you just said, I give it a five. Um, I just, I knew like it was coming in one of these movies and I just didn't know which one. I was like, oh, is this it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was kind of, kind of corny. But so um, anyway, moving on to the plot. Um, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it and, and what we liked and what we didn't like. Um, so like I i like this plot a little better than say like the past few where it's like big evil guy is gonna destroy the world and then he's gonna come back and you know live underwater (laughs) but so i gave it a seven but i still feel like it just could have been better like i I truly just don't really get what the villain's motivation and his plan is It, it just was just like you said before a lot of separate things connected together but not one big overarching so you gave it a higher score than me
0: i did only because i thought that um at the time that like i was okay with the sum i was actually okay with the sum of its parts which is what you said earlier that like i think when you look back on this movie and you like you think about the elements that work like i can pull them together in my mind and be like oh that that's where it is and like that's kind of also this era of bond like we're not we're not spending time thinking about how they put the space station in orbit and kept it secret for however long it was there. (laughs) You know, we're just not going to, we're not going to waste time on that. So if we're not going to waste time on, you know, the actual implications of what the attack program is going to do, and we can kind of get that it's, you know, tied to the nuclear codes and is a, you know, a secret tracking system, like, then like, okay, and I like the way that Bond moved through the plot. Maybe I like that better. Maybe that's what I'm actually thinking about. I okay. like the way that Bond moves through this movie, and he is like an advocate. He's also passive at, at times, and that's um, kind of cool with that.
1: Yeah. All right, um, so you gave I'm it to me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to revise my score for the next one because even though you do have a cue scene in the true sense of the word and the, and the second cue scene in the church – is definitely highlight reel all time <laughs> awesome. Uh,
1: like this is on par with um, with the one when he's got the mustache and the hat and the broom outside. Which one was was that in a uh, Dalton era?
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, this is it's also on par. I think with Tomorrow Never Dies when he's in, when he's at Avis, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, your rental car." Sap. I I really like that. I really like him in this scene. Um, I think that that, you know, the idea that they had for that, you know, device to the identi the identigraph, that was a fucking stupid idea.
1: Oh, my God. I was like, it, they spent like hours there. They could have just went to a guy and got it drawn. Why? Why?
0: Especially, I don't know if you watch this. This is totally unrelated. We watched the I'll uh, Be Gone in the Dark six part true crime series on HBO for the past couple of weeks. The reason being is because... Um, I'm a huge Patton Oswalt fan. He's a great stand-up comic, one of my personal favorites, mm-hmm. as well as his late wife Michelle McNamara, kind of began the modern wave of t- true crime reporting as we know now. Yep. Uh, I remember listening to her on a podcast a couple of years ago, and she was really great on it. And then she died really tragically. Ultimately, they were they went on. They made this awesome miniseries and as they're making the miniseries frank they catch the rapist murderer guy the most notorious serial rapist in in american history over 50 women um all over california when you see how accurate the fucking sketch was compared to his face it is uncanny creepy sent shivers down my spine goosebumps because that's how good those things are if you get a good guy. Yeah. So, like, to me, that was a total that – was, that was one of those things that did not hold up, did not age well. They no. They did not call that as it was going. So I'm going to give the, the gadgets a 7. I love the re, the watch phone at the end is pretty cool. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's the, ga- we're going after a gadget. We're not using gadgets to get the gadget. I, that's
1: t- exactly why I gave it a seven as well. I, I feel like there are a lot of gadgets in this movie where we're using them. It's not like very, um, clever new things to see but like how many you know scuba tanks and they talk about like oh we're going this deep we need to use helium and, and oxygen in order to breathe and we only have eight minutes and like there's all these little technically things that work um, and you know the cars it could have been they could have done a little bit more but I, I like that they went and like lower than your expectations it was like we're not gonna not have a car we're just gonna have this weird car <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, destroy sure. that one too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and they do an, and they do a nice job. I think that they uh, – the submarine. The submarine is cool. Yeah. That would have been cutting edge at that time. Nobody would have known what, it, like, a small two-person submarine would have looked like in 1981. You're still seven years away from the Abyss. You're still um, a cup. – you're ten years before Sphere, and you're another, you know, 20 years before people are thinking about and seeing Titanic. Titanic you know? like, yeah, so, Exactly you you hadn't that was so cutting edge at that time the scuba science doesn't hold up because you can tell that they are not very deep (laughs) um and the and the uh extreme depth stuff that they would have need to do is just that doesn't i did a little scuba diving so it's like no that that's not real um okay uh getting on to something i have not given a 10 for in a long time i'm gonna go with a 10 for melina um she goes on to be the face for chanel she is a, a beautiful beautiful actress she holds
1: her own the entire movie yeah
0: she's i think she may be my favorite
1: wow yeah i mean i i gave her a nine um which like the only 10 i've given out was to eva green um and like i've given maybe a few other nines i think probably daniel craig era uh, a little earlier in our podcast journey but she's definitely my favorite of um the past handful that we've seen. Um, she, yeah, she's, she's beautiful. She, Carol Bouquet, ass-
0: man. Um, what was that? Carol Bouquet. That's her name. Yes. Um, she is a French. She's a French actress. She's done a to- ton of French movies that you, nobody would have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think she was awesome. And I, I
1: think the, another reason why maybe I knocked the category down a point was because of BB, <laughs> like it's just like I don't understand sure. why she's in the film like at all. And did, did
0: you know that the the poster of this movie cost caused, caused major controversy at the time? No, I did not. Why? Uh, there's a there's a pretty big butt. Um, <laughs> there's, but? there's a big butt? There's a butt on the on the poster. Oh yeah yeah. Of yeah, yeah. Bond in the center with a butt on top and a nice butt too. Yeah. And there were major uprisings and people like wrote letters into these guys from the U S not anywhere else, of course, but from our stupid country that this was, you know, inappropriate and very suggestive and not really okay. To which I say,
1: (sighs) (laughs) well, you know, and it's such like the thing that I still makes my mind work as we return to movies of an era before pg-13 like you have a a film with this this artwork and then you also have some brief nudity like oh we get a nipple yeah so like oh the nipple was great (laughs) so it's like i I don't know it's just such a weird time with ratings but like american ratings is just so restrictive and it's it's crazy but come on it's like that she's just, and it's cartoon it's drawn right whatever all right yeah
0: what'd you give her so you give her a nine i gave
1: her a nine um i i did like um the countess i think that was a cool like equal i it sucks that she dies um that that was a bummer but she um, had some great tots,
0: man. Um. <laughs> the se- the second scene where they're walking on the beach, it's like, oh, man, we're going to get a- Is this a twofer right now?
1: Yeah. Well, and I also like how everyone's just, like, giving their car around, like, a Netflix sequence. It's like, oh, yeah, take my car. Oh, yeah, take my car. Like, no big deal. Um, all right, so villain. Um, we both enjoyed Julian Glover. I think he's got this, like, cool, menacing little goatee that, like, I don't know. I really thought he was a good guy, but he masterpieced us and tricked us. He,
0: he totally did. And then he, oh my God, when you, uh, so when he, you have the twist, it's super effective. You don't believe it because he's so charming in the beginning of the movie. And that's what's so nice about it is you get a charming villain. You know what I mean? In the same way that maybe Christopher Lee was also very charming. Yep. But in a different kind of a way, right? Like, you're like, oh, this guy is is cool, but he's a a little spooky over there. Whereas this guy's like, oh, he is the good guy. No problem. So Um, can
1: you explain to me, though, like, what is his motivation? Like, what is he out to do? He just wants money. He's just, like, selling this thing for money, right?
0: I, I think so. I think that's part of his... The uh, ambiguousness of his character is that he's a smuggler and that he sells shit. He sells drugs. Yeah. And that he's not, you know, worried about the, you know, the origin of his money, but he's fine with, you know, the repercussions. And I'm sure that if he were to be handing over, you know, this really intense, sophisticated technology to the Russian guy, fun fact, that Russian general and that set are reused. And that general is part of the continuity from the last few films. Yep. Which is very good. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got... <sighs> when he's doing this, you know, I don't think his motivation is anything other than money. You know, I think maybe some part of the plot that they didn't really dig into a little bit that maybe was cut out was his relationship with BB and that he was, you know, obviously um, probably you know, infatuated with her on a love kind of level, and maybe she uh-huh. wasn't, and that, you know, he's her patron. And usually, you know, these kind of high-level artists and uh and athletes sometimes, for the kind of sports that you do, require somebody of really high wealth to back you and fund you. And that, it, to me, could have been explored more and maybe, maybe was cut out because it I, seems the other like thing, that's missing.
1: The other thing that I feel like was missing was, like, I know that he kills... Uh, uh Melina's parents but like did he have a relationship with them or was it purely because they were like gonna figure out who stole the device or who like was after the device
0: I, I, think, it, I think it had to do more with that because he's um, you know the guy is an archaeologist and he had noted that he saw a diving bell where they put the landmine where they put the sea mine Yep. And then, you know, then it was gone. And then, you know, there's the ship now. So uh, he would have been ahead of the game and would have flagged what was going on before he could have gotten away with the plan. Sure. I also I also appreciated that they let Bond disarm the device in order to take it from him. That seemed very modern to me and and very realistic in that they kind of set a trap for him and that you know, they're like, okay, we're going to leave this here. He'll do the dirty work for us. And then we can just abscond with the, uh, the device.
1: I, the other thing that I really liked with, with actually this ties back to the bond girl, um, between the, between him and her is like, it was this like, Oh, don't kill him. That's not the Jedi way. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. And obviously like the bad guy needs to die at the end. So like for him to be like, Oh, this weapon i'm going to get you and then columbo to stab him in the back was a really cool and effective way to, for it to be done like justice was kind of served without her like tarnishing her soul
0: <laughs> yeah and you know you kind of she kind of gets to walk away you know and continue um, into the into the future without you know killing this guy for no reason um but yeah it, it you know she and she was justified. She could have done it. I liked. I like the ambiguity. I liked the the morality play of that. That seemed new. When do we ever talk about morality in a Bond movie?
1: Right. Like he's got a license to kill. He usually just kills. I mean, he does. He like literally kicks the the lock guy and his his car over a cliff. It's like see ya. Yeah. But he well, was a dick anyway.
0: Yeah, he was a dick. It also seemed... I liked that Bond was goofing in this movie and that they were like, 007, why didn't you you finish this thing? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And to me, when they kicked him off, I was like, oh, but they could have learned about more stuff. Why did they kill him? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right, but whatever. I liked. I really like this guy. I'm going to give him a nine. I think his performance is great. I think this this guy cements himself as a fantastic legacy villain. Um, And... he was actually talked about playing Bond at one time, and I'm so glad that they did not go with mm. him, and that this happened. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's Moving fun. on to I physical an antagonist. Eight. Moving yeah. on, physical antagonist.
0: We're both in agreement on this. It's a six, nowhere near as good as Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere close. Nowhere close. Um, and and that's okay. You know, they had to recalibrate. I think it was probably easy for them to say. Let's pick this tall blonde guy and, you know, not have somebody ugly yeah. and, um, you know, and, and do this. Which isn't to say Richard Kyle isn't a beautiful, beautiful man. He is, but... Well, yeah, but they put these beautiful... ugly teeth in his mouth. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we don't have to spend too much time on that. No, We're both that also in agreement on this one, uh, Bond performance at nine. Uh, I, I think this is one of his best showings. It's up there with me, with, with The Spy Who Loved Me and Believability as him as Bond.
1: Yep. I completely that, agree. I, I feel like he's he's using his wits like he's getting around like he can he's figuring out the plot, you know, in advance of us. and he he knows where to go. Um, but also like he's not too corny and he's not like too misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> which is like no. sometimes that is really makes it hard to watch.
0: Well, I think the next movie is when Mod Adams returns. Right. So then we're going to see like another like bond, um, girl that's like age appropriate. Maybe I think she slaps what...
1: him this time. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and that will be cool. Uh, we'll get to see her, you know, take another whack at it, but he did, I think he did great here. I think this is, you know, a great peak performance for him. Tons of great highlight moments in this movie of, uh you know i love a drive in the country um <laughs> i
1: love that she laughed at that too <laughs> yeah I, I like
0: the uh i like the visuals of him wrapping the rope around the coral underwater and like mm-hmm. you know you felt i felt that uh i also felt the climbing scene. the climbing sequence what a great sequence like uh, high stakes no music um but effective and really fun and but and really different and high stakes yeah <laughs> and know? even the
1: aftermath of that is as he he got up and you know they're getting them up in in the basket it's like oh we still gotta be quiet we're really want to make sure we get in here without anybody knowing and that was cool like to, for it to be such a like a muted end um as this chopper's coming in like that that was pretty pretty sweet um all right legacy continuity moment of relevancy I think it's it's pretty strong I mean I, I think continuity alone for the fact that we get a glimpse at Blowfell we get a uh acknowledgment that you know Tracy was killed in 1969 um I I feel like it holds up for its you know, a movie of 1981 and it feels like fairly modern and not too dated. Um, I, I just, I wish the legacy was stronger. I wish like there was more praise around like Julian Glover or more like praise around, um, what's her, what's her name? Carol. Boo. The, the bond girl, uh, Carol Bacquette. Yeah. Carol Bacquette. Like I think they, they're just so excellent. So, um, I gave it an eight, you also gave it an 8.
0: Yeah, I think that you know I like that they tied it in with his universe to bring Bond back to the world. I like that this will this movie kind of lays the groundwork for Living Daylights, it lays the groundwork for Goldeneye, it lays yeah. the groundwork for Casino Royale. That if you wanted to take a different approach and show a darker, grittier, more grounded Bond. These are kind of the ways you'd have to do it. You have to strip him of his gadgets. You have to make him rely on his wits. You have to show how he how he's cunning. You can't show that he's, you know, uh, this womanizing, um, you know, kind of playboy so much, I think. I think they when they try to ground him, they turn that down to elevate the other things. Yep. So even though he's still able to get the girl, he's still proficient at that, it, that's not the focus. And I think, especially in The Spy Who Loved Me, that was a pretty big focus.
1: I just remember the end of this movie. I was dying. The end of this movie is particularly
0: gratifying.
1: Oh, my uh, God. It's so funny.
0: <laughs> so did you see The Iron Lady? Did you Do you know a little bit about Margaret Thatcher? No. So Margaret Thatcher is a very interesting character. Um, you can say what you want about conservatism and... Uh, you know, the policies that she implemented, how she dealt with the IRA, um, how she dealt with the uh, the islands, the um, what are the fucking British owned islands from the 80s that had the whole problem. Go look it up online, idiots. Either way, I think that the homage is both very warm and very funny. And it also holds up like so perfectly because like the British press was horrible to her husband. Mm. They were merciless, and they totally rip on him in this movie and it, it she's you know and it's like it's lovingly done, you know what I mean That's the best kind of spoof is to be sweet about it and to say that you know we're not trying to make her out to be the Iron Lady, we're trying to make her be you know the new face of Britain at that time and and that's very cool and I, and I think it holds up well
1: I'm also talking about the parrot. <laughs> Oh, Back's the, the parrot. parrot. <laughs> I think yeah. that that was just so funny. I mean, like, he was in the movie a lot. And that, like, whereas the past few have ended with Bond getting caught on camera or in person and seeing them, like, having sex. It's like, no, no, no. Here's, here's a, you know, talking to this guy. And they just let him go. I think it's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was cute. And, and it definitely... You know, it was definitely a better ending than I think the last movie. Um, oh yeah, because it, it's just so funny. Like you walk out on such a high note. Yeah. like that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, special effects. Uh, just for the, just as briefly as I can. Um, John Glenn was really big into miniatures, and you can see that in a couple of shots in this movie, and I think that they're great shots. Um, if you didn't, if you weren't like me and you weren't looking for it you wouldn't see it. And I think that that is such a great blend and he was such a good blender. It, it would have been so cool to see him direct bond in the, in the late two thousands. You know what I mean? Cause oh, then it yeah. was really the beginning of the blending, the CGI with the practical effects and making it look as real as possible. I think he would have been one of those guys who really got that idea. Um, yeah. I, so I, I, I love them. I think that they do a good job. The explosions look good. Um, the the you know the car chase is really excellent
1: the car chase is excellent the 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 water uh the boat like as they're getting dragged in the water um pretty much anything underwater is fantastic um yeah and the helicopter sequence at the beginning like it's just it's all really top notch um i gave it an 8 you gave it a 9 but we got to talk about this next category cuz i'm really confused <laughs> I think this is one
0: of Okay, so I am a sucker for 80s music right now. <laughs> um, you know, I really love I really love the song uh I, I, everybody wants to rule the world by Tears for Fears. Yeah. I walk around my house and I'm like I just love that sound, and I love the, I love the '80s drum synths. I like the, uh, you know those cool different layering pads that they were using at that time. And I think this song is actually really good. It was nominated for an Academy Award.
1: Um, I guess that's where she, we're different. <laughs> you didn't, so you don't like it, huh? I I couldn't stand the song. And I didn't find anything very remarkable about the music. There were a few moments where I was like, oh, that was cool. You to the Bond theme. So, like, that's why I gave it a notch above last time. Moonraker, I gave it three. This, I gave it four. But, like, you gave this a ten. Because the song... This is the best music that they've ever done to you.
0: Mm, Okay. So, I'll give it a nine. (laughs) So, it's... (laughs) I like the differenti- I like the 80s music of this movie and the, the 80s score and the 80s sound. They're trying something new, and it definitely feels very 80s. It feels dated, but it also – that's very comforting to me, and it feels like the soundtrack for uh, Flight of the Navigator, which is a movie I've talked about a lot on this podcast, which is all done on one synthesizer by Alan
1: Silvestri. So maybe the difference is, like, I'm looking back at The Spy Who Loved Me, and we were almost completely reversed. Like, I gave it an 8, you gave it a 5, and and here it's, like, the opposite. Maybe I feel better about the 70s stuff.
0: Yeah, you're a bass player. Of course you're going to feel better about the 80s, the 70s. Yeah. It's got better bass lines. It's definitely funkier. Maybe that's why. Interesting. Maybe maybe that's it, but the... (laughs) I this for your eyes only. That's a great, it's a good song, and only for you. And I like that the girl is in it. I like that she's singing the song. I thought that the opening credits, the the yeah, it was a cool. It was a different. It was different, and I I liked it. And I and it definitely felt like one of the only songs that like you could play apart from a Bond movie, and it wouldn't be out of context.
1: Yeah. And they, you know, they also say for your eyes only at the end, which is cool. They said, use it. They use the title actually, a lot. A few times. It's like on the, on the dossier that he gets. And then she says it to him at the end. Um, so, yeah. So
0: totaling up our scores here, I'm at an 81. Frank is at a 71, um, which is good. These are both positive on the scale for us. Yep. Um, so definitely go check this movie out. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think, you know, um, Tell us what, you know, let us know. You could give us a sentence anywhere. Tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. We just, we want to know too, because we've been doing this project for a minute.
1: (laughs) It's been a while. So, you
0: know, they're not blending together at this point for me because I think we're doing it so scientifically. If we didn't have the ratings, I think it would be a lot harder.
1: Yeah. And if we were Um, watching multiple in a row without talking about them, it would blend together. But we're definitely kind of methodical like that
0: uh yeah so you know i i'm curious to see the next two because then we'll know kind of how
1: roger moore turned out yeah it's amazing that he did it for so long it's it's crazy such a long time but it's also like a lot of movies crunched in not that long of a time if you really think about it seven movies What the first one is 71 the last one 85 maybe that's a lot That's a long career as Bond. And, and what he does that
0: Sean Connery didn't really do, or we don't really see, we we haven't seen diamonds are forever yet, but Sean Connery didn't really grow with the role.
1: Yeah. You know, in my memory,
0: he just kind of, he was stagnant and he, and he was what Fleming said, which he's, he's a bullet. (laughs) I'm shooting him out of a gun for my story to hit the points in my plot that I'm making. He's not an interesting character in and of himself, really.
1: Mm. And it,
0: and i think that when they take him in this context we've seen him do so many different levels of adventures different le- threat levels different kinds of threats personal threats against his own life in man with the golden gun global threats in the spy who loved me extra terrestrial threats in moonraker you know that he's you know he's uh, he's accomplished a lot so yeah you can start to see the wrinkles, yeah, you could start to feel the the cobwebs on him I guess in a couple places that he's never going to be as physical as Craig you know Craig or or even Dalton a couple of years later. but the stunts in the water are pretty demanding and and I,
1: I like him. I can see why people love him now. if you grew up with this as your James Bond it, as, as if you could grew up with Roger Moore as your James Bond, I can totally get it you would feel so nostalgic for him and you would that's just nobody hits that
0: nobody hits the jokes like he does nobody nobody has the comedic timing that he does like Pierce Brosnan could be funny right and we also know Daniel Craig is very funny yeah you know as an actor he's very funny he's never funny as James Bond no
1: but I also think that's part of the the direction they don't want him to be funny in the movies that's just not what what they're aiming for um so but wouldn't it but wouldn't it be
0: a would i know but wouldn't it cut the fat of some of these like it well maybe it the, maybe it does the casino royale scene when he starts laughing when he's like could you do it over there i have a scratch yeah
1: <laughs> but like you can't see roger moore doing that <laughs>
0: oh absolutely not no way uh and that's the that's the difference i You know, I think that Roger Moore, more so than anybody else, I think dug in and, you know, well, maybe not as much. Maybe Daniel Craig a little bit more in different ways. But Roger Moore digs into his own version, his own idea of what James Bond should be and puts that out as best as he can each time. Yep.
1: Okay. so, guys, we have a lot still left to cover we have a, a a lot of really exciting guests coming up over the next few weeks. Um, yes, some some great uh, comedians from the
0: Jersey City area, the New York City area are going to be jumping on with us. Um, it's going to be super fun to do that. Um, uh, you know, just to just to get some fresh perspectives on you know these b- movies because you know we have now. We're now kind of, you know,
1: we're no longer the control. We've seen a lot of James Bond. Yep, we sure have. And and it's kind of like we started this conversation. We don't know what's going to happen with the release of No Time to Die, but we are getting closer to whatever date they have on the on the calendar. And if they decide to put it on digital, we are going to watch it. And it's going even to be if it's part- thirty or fifty or a hundred dollars. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll crowdsource. <laughs> um but yes thank you all for for tuning into this week's episode um we'll be back next week with octopussy um as always you can find us online at longlostheroes.net. you can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. you can subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher and spotify and google play uh please rate and review the podcast if you get the chance um you can find us on social media at LLH Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, anything else for you tonight, AJ?
0: I am good, man. Uh, this was a really fun one to do. Um, th- uh, thank you uh, for the continued work on this. I know it's a fucking grind, <laughs> um, but it's always great to be back and hanging out and doing what we love, man. This is this is a blessing.
1: Yep. Thank you. It's, it's so much fun, and I, I'm excited to watch the next one and, and keep rolling. Um, and now think about what, like, uh, the next thing we'll get to do, because, it's like, we're getting there. We're almost done. This is awesome. We're almost done. We could talk about
0: other stuff. Uh, <laughs> so the next week's episode is Octopussy. Um, me and Frank are going to figure out how we're going to say that over and over and over again and whether or not it's going to be super relevant to say like, my hope is that it's just like the name of this movie and has nothing to do with the rest of the plot. Um, because I don't know how many times I can really say Octopussy. Eight pussy. The Ocho. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the Ocho may be cool. (laughs) That may be a cool way to get around it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh my god, octopussy. Do you do you think that it they knew that it was I mean we I guess we could talk about this we'll, next week. We'll before. talk about it
1: next week and we'll figure it out. <laughs> octopussy. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye.